Welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. Today, we have a special guest speaker who will be sharing with us about the importance of understanding God's love for us. We will be jumping into this message from Spencer as he is sharing about the sacrifices he and his family have had to make as they follow God's leading. relatively nice house, I suppose, in comparison to some, to uh, like a 950 square foot apartment in a high-rise apartment building in Central Asia, uh, from uh, steak and potatoes to um, not steak and potatoes in Central Asia. And, um, and sometimes it was really, really good. Sometimes the last three years, I would say the majority of the time, have been really, really good. We have just laughed a lot. We've learned just a ton about ourselves, about the Lord, about how he's working there and in us. Uh, But there's also been plenty of times where we've cried and we've thrown up our hands and been like, I can't do this. Or uh, we get sick um, and medical care is a little harder to come by. And so there's been plenty of times where God has been challenging us uh, to continue to grow in our knowledge of him. And one of the areas, interestingly enough, that we have had to grow in is understanding God's um, love for us. I'm trying to think of the adjective that I wanted to say there, but my languages are all mixed up in my head. But essentially, God's love for us. And that's where I want to take us in the scripture today. And at the end, I'll try and tie that in to what that looks like on the missions field. So we're going to look in the Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 and through 18. And I'm going to be reading from the New International Version. And it says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen to that. So Paul is writing this letter to the Ephesians. Paul wrote loads of letters, uh, but Ephesus was a major trade center for the Roman Empire. And we know a lot about it in the Bible, right? Um, But one thing that you may not know is it was a port city. It sat on the ocean, Ephesus Ephesus did at the time of Paul. And it was the home of a huge temple of a pagan goddess. Uh, If you remember from the book of Acts, Paul and his companions are hustled into the amphitheater there. We also know in the book of Revelation that the church in Ephesus is addressed by Jesus as in one of the seven churches, saying that he admires or he is um, proud of their work, but that they have abandoned their first love. So we know quite a bit about Ephesus, and we'll talk about that here in just a minute. But first, I want to start with the basics. And if you've not heard this message before, I pray that you would hear it today, and here it is. God loves you. God loves us. He loves me. He loves each and every single one of you. In spite 
of all of our sins and all of our failures, God continues to love us. And he wants us, he loves us so much that we could have eternal life with him. And we can have that through Jesus Christ. Um, Second of all, our first, our primary responsibility, the absolute first commandment that Jesus gives us as Christ followers is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul, with all our strength. So God is to be our first and primary love. Thirdly, we know from the scriptures in 1 John, we are only, paradoxically, only able to love God because he first loved us. We know also from scripture that God is love. So this idea of love is critically important. It is the basic foundation of walking with Jesus, is knowing God's love through Jesus. Now, we know um, sometimes grasping that love is difficult. I know for us, as we looked at it, um, sometimes in America, we think that we're loved because of our standing in community or even standing within our family or in our church. Um, you can, I can very easily get wrapped in my value, my self-value being put into these things rather than into being loved by God. Sometimes the question comes up, where is my value or where is my identity? When I start to drift away from those very first two basic things, that God loves me and that I am to love God in return, I, people can start to wonder. Sometimes people wonder if they even belong anywhere. It can lead to hopelessness, to a sense of, why am I here? Sometimes people say, nobody loves me, or if they are, I don't know who they are. Sometimes people wonder, maybe I'm not even lovable. So knowing the love of God is crucial to understanding who you are as a Christian. And it is something that we can know, isn't it? This passage tells us that we can know that. So we have established here in verse 17 that we should be rooted and established in Christ's love for us. Knowing that um, together with the body of Christ, that this love, this power is not given to all, to one person. It's given to all people. And this love is something that we can know. It surpasses knowledge, but we can know it. So when we know the love of God for us through Jesus Christ, we no longer have to wrestle with who am I or what value do I have or am I lovable. All of those questions start to become answered, don't they? The scripture teaches us that no longer are we strangers to God, but we become sons and daughters. We become a friend, and through Jesus Christ, we become heirs to the very throne of heaven. This is truly incredible when we think about God's love. Grasping this power, grasping the power, uh, grasping the love of Christ is the precursor. It it is what is critical to being filled with the fullness of the measure of God. 
And what, what I think, I get the picture when Paul is talking about grasping the love, that it's not like fully embracing and totally understanding it in this big bear hug of, yeah, I get it. I totally get God's love for me. Rather, I get this picture of it's a fingernail, like on a rock wall when you're rock climbing, and all you can grasp is just by your fingertips is this tiny little rock hold. And that's all that's required of us is to just grasp just barely this hold of God's love for us. And when we grasp that, we're filled, what does it say? To the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, I don't know about you, but that's pretty full to my imagination. And I look out at the fields that we drive by, the stars that we see at night, the sun that rises and sets in its place, the body of Christ as it's spread throughout the world, preaching and proclaiming Jesus. I look at the life of Jesus. We're talking about some incredible and immense power that we are filled with when we can just grasp the knowledge of the love of Christ. So this is really important, obviously, right? So the question I have is, do you know that God loves you? This is something that as I was growing up in my background as a Catholic, was something that was really hard for me to grasp. And as I became a a born-again believer and have been walking with Christ for the last 15 or 16 years, uh, is something that he continues to try and teach me. So do you know that God loves you? We can sit in a church pew every day or every Sunday for our whole lives sometimes and forget and abandon the most basic premise of the Christian walk, which is that God loves you. Your good things, your family, whether you're a husband or a wife, a father or a mother, a son or a daughter, your work, maybe you do wonderful things at work or your charitable giving or your volunteer work, your church membership, even outside of your faith in Jesus Christ, God loves you. I want you to hear that. In spite of everything that you think that you have ever done good in the world, take it all away, God loves you. And God loves the world. Now don't get me wrong, Love is different than salvation. We know truly from Scripture that God's love is not dependent on any good thing that you may do or that you may accept. It is impossible to overcome. But salvation, that is being able to get into right relationship with God and spend eternity with him is solely dependent on knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He is the fullest expression of God's love for us, period. But, John three sixteen, God so loved the world. Prior to sending Jesus, God loved the world. Sad to say, most of the world still does not know that. Now, what about your bad things? What about your shame or failures? Maybe you've gotten fired from that job that you were doing so good at. Maybe there is gluttony or selfishness. Maybe there's lust or pornography or idolatry or greed. Or maybe none of these things identify for you. And so then I'll call one out. How about your pride? Do you know in your heart 
that God loves you in spite of these things. In spite of all the black marks on your record, maybe in spite if you're the black sheep of your family or your community, or maybe you just think there is no way God could love me because of the things that I've done. I tell you, brothers and sisters, I have been there in that place thinking that there is no way God could ever forgive me or God could ever love me. And I tell you truly, that is a lie. God does love you. God did send his son to die for you because he loved you that much that he wanted to spend all of eternity with each and every one of you and with each member of your community and with each person in the world. Knowing this love elevates our walk, doesn't it? How can you not respond to that kind of incredibly overwhelming love through Jesus Christ? That love is what roots us, Paul says, that we may be rooted and established in love. Knowing this love roots us and establishes us, gives us value, gives us identity, gives us a place to come from, to minister out of. So we, if we're able to grasp this, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, we're able to know it and we're filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now this is where people go, okay, this is great. I want to know the love of God. I want to know Christ Jesus. But what does that have to do with mission work? So can you imagine a world where nobody knows that God loves them? Where every single one of your neighbors says of God, well, if I'm really good and I don't do too many bad things, maybe when I get to the gates of heaven, God will weigh me in the balance and I'll be found on the good side and I'll enter heaven. However, your friend turns to you and says, Yeah, but you don't know. You never know whether or not God will, how he'll weigh you. And even then, you can get to the gates of heaven and God could change his mind. God could say, you know, you did that pretty well. You lived a pretty good life, but sorry. This black mark here, over here, that disqualifies you from paradise. Or what about a God who is good, Many of our neighbors believe that God is good. He's creator. He sent his prophets. Um, He sent Jesus to teach us about him. But he is not in any way loving towards you. That environment is where we live. That is the Muslim mindset that we find ourselves dealing with on a daily basis. For our Muslim friends, identifying God as a loving God is strange and incredibly foreign to them. Rather, they see God as a God who approves or disapproves of them. A God who says, you are either good or you are bad. A God who is good, they do believe that, but that he doesn't love the world, certainly would never love a sinner. And and in the root of it, they do not believe that God is love. Uh, Muslims have 99 names for God. 
Never in those 99 names is it ever stated that God is love or God is loving. So when we think about missions to Muslims, the love of God becomes a foundational element of reaching out to them. We express that through just loving them as people, welcoming them into our homes, communicating well with them, discipling them in the scriptures and how to walk like Jesus before they even know Jesus. But ultimately, it comes down to wanting them to break through to this knowledge that all of their Quranic, the the rules and regulations from the Quran or from these other Islamic scriptures um, and writings they don't really get down to the root of what they're struggling with, what every human being struggles with, which is this idea of God, do you love me and do I matter? So this answer to the unreached people in the world, there's only one answer, and we know that answer is Jesus. As we discussed earlier, Jesus is the fullest expression of God's love. So the answer to the unreached is not us. It's not me or my wife or any of you. Despite our great desire to see these people come to know Jesus, I personally cannot save a single person. Jesus, however, can. The answer is not Bible verses that I could spout or programs that I could put on or discipleship steps that I could take with the person. The answer for an unreached Muslim is one and, th- one and only thing, and that's to Jesus. He's the only name that can save. He's the only person that can come uh, to save people. So the answer to missions, truly, to missions to Muslims, I truly believe, is missions, missionaries and churches and believers around the world knowing God's love. When we know that God loves us unconditionally, and we can approach God and run to him and sometimes crawl to him honestly and openly because we know in our heads and more importantly in our hearts that God loves us unconditionally, we are able to then pour that love out to us. And it goes everywhere we go. If I'm filled to the measure of all the fullness of God because I know that he loves me through Jesus, I can go to the post office and I can impact a life there. I can go to Shopco and impact a life there as God flows out through me with his incredible love. Filled to overflowing, that's the fullness of God. The fullness of God is not contained within my shell. It couldn't be. It's not even contained within all of ours corporately. The fullness of God, the very idea of the fullness of God is that it is an overflowing fullness. So when we grasp the love of God, we are filled to the measure. The measure is overflowing, right? How can you or I be filled to the measure of completeness, like just totally within ourselves, of the God who created the universe? It is impossible. So the very nature of being filled to the measure of the fullness of God is to be filled to overflowing. That overflowing is what reaches people. That overflowing love is what transforms people. It is what changes lives and communities. It's what changes us. You know, the church in Ephesus, uh, the city of Ephesus was a major port city in Turkey for the Roman Empire. Huge. Millions of dollars worth of commerce came through there every year. And it was sat on the ocean. 
The city of Ephesus today is five miles inland. Over a period of time, the Ephesian citizens forgot to keep their harbor free of debris and dirt. Just like the church in Ephesus forgot their first love in the book of Revelation. So if we as Christians forget or walk away from this first knowledge that God loves us and that we love him, our hearts and our lives start to fill up with dirt and debris. And pretty soon, we were where before we were on the harbor of God's love. Now all of a sudden, we're a ruined city five miles inland that's forgotten all about it. So Christians, I just want to ask today, and if you don't know Christ, I pray that you would listen, and listen well in your heart. If you don't know this love today, if you do not know the love of Jesus, consequently then the love of Christ, or the love of God, I ask you simply, do you want to? Do you long to know that you belong, that you are valuable, that you have an identity in Christ Jesus, in God the Father, that goes beyond your job, it goes beyond your family, it goes beyond your sexuality. If you long to know who you truly are in God's love, pray. Pray now. Just bow your head, simply pray, and ask God to come into your heart through Jesus Christ you will be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. Because know this, God loves you. He truly, truly loves you. And he wants you to know that. When we as a church know that, our first love then the world knows it. It overflows out of us. People are transformed and lives are transformed. People come to Jesus because of his love through us. It is the most powerful weapon in God's arsenal, his love for us. Will you please bow your heads and pray with me? Jesus, I thank you so much for your church for the body of Christ that is gathered together, what a privilege it is to be a part of it. And I pray, Lord, um, for people who don't know you, whether they're sitting here today or whether they're sitting in places around the world, in coffee shops or cafes or restaurants or even in their homes, wondering, what is the truth? Am I loved? I pray that your love would transform us And that by transforming us, it would go out into the world and change uh, people. Redeem people to yourself through Jesus Christ. Bring them before the throne so that when we get there, Lord, that we can sing your praises through eternity with them. People from all over the world who are praising you and singing your name because you first loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is Bethesdamb.org. That's Bethesda, 
M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.